They were high school sweethearts that got married and had a kid. It's the Brunigs. In the swamp of D.C. they tweet all day, but that's okay. They're the Brunigs. She is a Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to our low effort, low quality podcast. This is Liz Brunig. This is my husband, Matt. Hi, everyone. We are underway in the Democratic 2020 primary. That's right. I think 15 people are in now. <laughs> really? I haven't counted them. Yeah, yeah. There's so many more than you think because a bunch of these people you've never even heard of. There's uh-huh. nobody's. Yeah. Let me let me see who all's going. All right. Uh, we're going to pull up the list. Uh, maybe the Wikipedia uh, 2020 Democratic primary. Yeah, oh. here we go. They've got a daily chart going on The Economist. All righty. All right. So the latest is Beto. Uh-huh. who we'll talk about later in the show. Beto O'Rourke, a uh, former rep from Texas. Bernie, of course. Amy Klobuchar. Cory Booker. Kamala Harris. Kirsten Gillibrand. Elizabeth Warren. Those are the uh, the major ones. Hickenlooper. Okay. Uh, you can't forget the loop. All right. I mean, I've already. You've already forgotten the loop. Yeah. I, but I think he that they have a lot of he has a lot of branding opportunities he's not taking advantage of. I'm over. I'm over pretty much. You know anyone at the hook and looper level, I, I don't have time for. Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> I think it's Buttigieg. Julian Castro. Yeah, they, well, Julian. You have to oh, say Julian. Sorry, so sorry, Julian Castro so, so from our great state of Texas, making. Beto kind of redundant because he's not even the only Texan. Yeah. Involved. Well, uh, redundant in a number of ways. John Delaney. Never heard of him. Who the hell is that? Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> you know, what do you say about that, really? <laughs> Jay Inslee. Never heard of him. Marianne Williamson. Never heard of her. Brew just laying out on the women, I see. Wayne Messam. Never heard of him. He's running, so you better. Bill Weld. Running as a Republican. Okay, actually. yeah, yeah, I think I know him. Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang, the Yang Gang. You know, there's something to be said for the Yang Gang. Oh, Lord. Sorry about that. Our window's open. It's warm outside now. <laughs> uh, you, you continue. I'll close it. Uh, you know, there's really quite a bit to be said for the Yang Gang, one of the most energetic emerging contingencies on Twitter. Uh, last election, uh, the uh, People's Policy Project election arm, uh, the Matt Brunig election team, uh, developed a theory of, uh, of predicting electoral success. And the formula went like this. Memes plus polls minus polls. Yeah, polls plus memes minus polls is the correct order. <laughs> I'm sorry. It wasn't a, uh, it was a way of modeling, you know, predicting who would be successful. You know, a lot of people, they like to use polls or polls plus or <laughs> polls plus <laughs> fundamentals 
And what we determined was that actually polls plus memes minus polls really told you a lot more. Um, so, you know, you bring in things like uh, clout scores, <laughs> um, hashtags, um, Instagram shares. Yep. Um, you'd bring in things, I mean, uh, Google Trends, uh, how many times uh, has it been searched on Bing? Bing. Uh, Bing's a big one. Um, you know, other things like that. I mean, I, I don't want to give away the full... Yeah, don't give away your proprietary formula, but... The full sauce, but that was the thing. And, you know, we predicted also, we predicted Trump's victory. You did. Um, so, you know, pick up on that. Maybe pick people pick up on that. I saw t- uh, yesterday or two days ago, uh, Nate Silver, a.k.a. Nate Bronze. Oh, no. He's been um, demoted. Yeah. Yeah, no. Silver's too much, I feel like, for his track record recently. <laughs> okay. Um... He had a thing saying, oh, you know, the polls show that Biden and Bernie are sort of neck and neck and head and shoulders above everyone else. But did you know that in the last couple of days on Google Trends, Andrew Yang and Pete Buttigieg, they, they had similar search amounts. So Yang is doing so very well in the memes primary. Absolutely. And I think part of this is owed to the hats. The pink hats that look kind of like Tropicana Sun. <laughs> the Vaporwave Yang Gang hats are amazing. I mean, you know, in seriousness, it's a the the approach is very down to earth and appealing and funny. I mean, for the most part, so I have to give them that. For an outsider candidate, that does seem like something you want to do is to not just go out there and be like. Oh, I'm a real politician, except you've never heard of me. Like Howard Schultz, yeah. Yeah, it's like, no, you, you want to try to be like, I'm sort of different or laid back or casual or, or you know, like sort of like Trump did. It, you know, got to be different in some way if you're going to be a complete random outsider no one's ever heard of. So, I, you know, I got to give him credit for that. You got to give him credit for that. Credit where due is the, is the habitus of this podcast. We're always giving credit where due. All right. You know, I feel like that's just our... our uh, our way of doing things. Okay, then. In other news, outside of the uh, primary field filling up, although how much is too much, really? I don't care if 20 more people run at this I point. I want as much as possible. Yeah. I feel like I want to get it to where it's like Bernie and Biden both have like 25, and then everyone else just has 1%. And that'll be I hilarious be to me. That. I think it would be great. Yeah, I, I think it would be great. I really do. And I love like all these people... They're they're trying to be like clever and like, oh, I'm going to get on this campaign. And they're, yeah. they're like making these real long shot bets. And I like seeing all that blow up. And, you know. Yeah. I think that uh, having 50 people run in the 2020 Democratic primary is a job guarantee of sorts because everybody would have a campaign job by the end of it. Yeah. Well, except all these campaigns are going to collapse. Well, yeah, they may true. not even make it to Iowa. Some of them just burn through all their cash. Yeah, so. I have some suspicions about who might fall into that category. A lot of them will. A lot of them will yeah. burn out before Iowa, and then about the you know another thirty percent of them will quit after Iowa because they'll get so low that no one would ever give them money again. So, yeah, well, that's how it be on this bitch of an earth. Uh, this week, in other comedic news, a college admissions scandal uh, busted by the FBI. Uh, Felicity Huffman. 
uh, an actress who is married to William H. Macy, who you might know as Little Bill from Boogie Nights. Never heard of any of that. Okay. Uh, and she was on the, uh, the film Georgia Rule uh, Never. With, with Lindsay Lohan. I know her. And Jane Fonda. I, I would call Georgia Rule a tonally strange film. Uh, it's about a uh, regulation. You would you would think that. Uh, actually, the term the, the the title of the film Georgia Rule um, comes from the fact that this Idaho grandma is named Georgia, and sh- sh- she'll like sort of be like, "No shoes on the carpet, Georgia Rule," and you'd be like, "Oh, so this is about like an idiosyncratic grandma." It's about like a girl who is like a big city hotshot teen who's like a troubled teen mm-hmm. kind of like, like us. Well, I mean, I don't, you know, neither, I mean, I guess in some, you mm-hmm. know, we live in a city. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hot shots. Well, I wouldn't. I mean, we had this podcast. Wouldn't put it that way, but she's like a, you know, like she's kind of like a bad girl, like, you know, drinking and dr- taking some recreational drugs and stuff. And mm-hmm. so like her Skipping mom, school. yeah, mm-hmm. driving drunk, staying out all night, mm-hmm. going to the mall. Yeah, that shit. Tube tops. Tube tops at the mall. Going to Spencer's <laughs> Gifts. So her mom is Felicity Huffman uh, in this film. And uh, her mom is like, so you have to go stay with your grandmother in Idaho for the summer with whom I have a bad relationship mm. uh, for un- unclear reasons. Uh, and so Lindsay Lohan, it, it it's set up like, oh, man, it's going to be a movie about how like a big city hotshot learns about real loyalty and grit okay. in small town Idaho. Yeah. You know, she gets there expecting these people are all country roofs, but they teach her a thing or two about life. Mm, they've got wisdom. Yeah, they, they have wisdom and they're all Mormons. It, the movie's explicit about everyone being a Mormon except this girl and her family for some reason. Mm. Okay. Sort of odd. Uh, so is this marketed to the Mormon community? No, it's not. a. It was not like a Mormon. It's not like a Mormon film. Uh, and, and they're not even really depicted in a very good light. Uh, but Lindsay Lohan, like, it starts trying to sleep with this widowed veterinarian who's, like, not into it. And then she's like, by the way, my stepfather is raping me. Ooh, wow. Yeah, it just, like, takes this wild... Well, no wonder she was acting out. ...fucking turn. Yeah, I mean, you're like, well, I mean, yeah, shit, that explains it. And she has it on tape. Or uh, or something. Okay. So we should take that to the authorities. Yeah, yeah, shit. I mean, so like all of a sudden, this movie that was like a big city princess meets her match in her country grandmother is like all of a sudden about like felonious uh, incest and rape. And uh, it's a good switcheroo. Woo! I feel yeah. like people who were into it at first <laughs> get really disappointed. It's, it's to- totally people who uneven. weren't into it, they already turned off. It's, so t- it's totally uneven. There's and no so one left at the end. The mom is Felicity Huffman. She eventually comes out to pick Lindsay Lohan up or whatever. And then you find out she's like a severe problem drinker and has like got serious alcoholism. And she cuts all her hair with scissors. Okay. And she's like, Mother Georgia, you never said you loved me. This seems really tiresome. It's just a, it's a, it's like three movies. Just keep it simple, you know? But then you also have like the scenery from a film that is about big city girl learns small town wisdom. Like you have the 4th of July picnic scenery. Okay, yeah. With like the the American flag bunting and like the sundresses and the barbecue. Sure. And you're like, oh, this is like a movie idealizing small town America. 
and it doesn't really pull a switcheroo and say like no small town america has vice in it too it's just like no that was never the point yeah it's about some kind of some kind of molestation you know uh you think you know what's gonna happen but everything's unique all cases are unique so it's a very strange in many ways literature and storytelling is a lie because they try to generalize about things. It's <laughs> a very strange film. I like it. It's a deconstructivist it's, kind it, of it, thing. It, yeah, it, you know, it definitely catches you off your guard. And then, you know, I mean, I think Lindsay Lohan, Felicity Huffman, and Jane Fonda do the best they can with what is an extraordinarily bizarre script. Anyway, that's Felicity Huffman. Uh, and so, you know, in real life, Felicity Huffman opened her door Monday morning and it was like the FBI with guns drawn being like, get on the ground. Uh, I don't think it quite went down like that. You're under arrest, scumbag. I think she had to forfeit herself to the police. She also was the star of the uh, WB show, Felicity, wasn't she? No, completely different person. Okay. Was the star of the WB Felicity Dizzy from Starship Troopers? Um, I mean, hookah. I don't know. I think it was Carrie Russell. Is that right? Oh boy, we're looking it up. Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How the hell did you know who it was? How about that? How about that? That's I've never seen that happen. I spend before. a fair bit of my time on IMDb, in which I have a page, by the way, a little Easter egg. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I am yeah, on yeah. IMDb, but Liz is not. Not yet. Liz I don't want to wait. For my life to be over. Was that Felicity? No, I think that was Dawson's Creek. Fuck. Felicity oh. was the one where, you know, she went to NYU or something. I remember the ticket used to joke about it. Felicity. All the shows were similar, I guess. Yeah, there were a bunch of similar shows at the time. Anyway, not Felicity Huffman. Completely wrong. Red herring. Uh, so she had participated along with lots of rich people, including someone who people say is a celebrity named Lori Laughlin, who I do not recognize. As I a didn't know the name, but then I saw her. And yeah, she's the lady from Full House. What the fuck is Full House? That was the one with Bob Saget and the Olsen twins. <laughs> I, have n- I never saw that. I can't you know say. the Olsen twins, yeah? Yeah. But okay, that's their whole thing. It's the only thing they ever did. Now they just sort of do crazy fashion or whatever. I think they've been far overshadowed by Elizabeth Olsen. I don't even know who that is. Martha Marcy May Marlene. Never heard of that. I no, I've watched Anyways, that movie with you in the room are dozens no, of times. Known quantity. Okay. You know, anyway, and this is what they're famous for. So this celebrity uh, and some other celebrities, and I guess mostly just anonymous, super rich people, were engaged in this pay-for-play <laughs> situation where they would give money to this organization that was just a bribery hub. That would arrange fake test taking. Yeah, it wasn't bribes. I mean, that was the weird thing. Well, there about was it. some bribery. There was a little bit, but even, but very orthogonal bribes. Like you could have like it wasn't like we paid an admissions officer. Like it seemed no. like ninety percent of it was we paid someone to help us fluff up our application. In, in, um, in, insanely, like well, uh, yes, defrauding in a defrauding way, not in a uh, pure puffery way, which would be lawful, I guess, under. Uh, the FTC Act? I'm not sure. Um, that, yeah, in a, in a literally fraudulent way. But point being, it's that's a, was sort of an odd thing. And I guess they described it a little bit in some of the documents. It's like, this is the side door. You know, you got the front door yeah. when you put in a legit application. You got the back door when you, you, when you just give a bunch of money to the college, which you're also allowed to do. <laughs> and then you got the side door when I guess you're not that rich or you're kind of stupid. And you're like, what if I just 
paid someone to help me lie on all my stuff. Like that's sort of like the side door, I guess. And it's a little, it's a little cheaper, I guess, than paying the whole, yeah. you know, uh, putting five million dollars in the endowment or something. I don't understand. Um, yeah, why can't you just buy a building? I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. You don't even have to buy a building. You just p- give them money and they put it in their endowment. It's as simple as that. Yeah, make a big donation. But whatever, they didn't want to do that. I swear in some of these cases, there's language suggestive in the indictments that makes it seem like the kids did not know. Like, I think one mom brought of home a fake copy of a test or something. Maybe on the tests they didn't know. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, all uh, these cases were different. So this organization, I think it's called like the Key Foundation or whatever, they had a lot of different... The Key Club. No, that definitely wasn't it. Oh. That was our high school charity organization. I think that's a national thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they... Uh, they they made it. They, they you know every family had sort of different needs and a and a different way of trying to cram their kid through. So like some pretended their kids were athletes by photoshopping their kids' stupid little faces <laughs> onto the bodies of real athletes. That's my favorite bit. That's awesome. That's just fucking lame. I, I didn't know you. I didn't it. know you submitted pictures of yourself and in, in these applications. I've, <laughs> I, I applied to a number of colleges and they never said, "Show me a pic of you in your swimsuit or whatever." <laughs> Did you write like me with an arrow pointing to you uh, playing basketball? Yeah, and I, no, yeah, yeah, I was like lifting weights and stuff, yeah. and you know, ripped. This is. And they were like, <laughs> "Man, this we this me. guy. We need this guy." Yeah, I, I the first time I ever heard of anything even having to do with this. Uh, practice even vaguely or distantly was legally blonde <laughs> where she's trying to go to harvard law school so she submits a tape of herself in a bikini well there was that guy remember uh, this was the ancient internet i feel like now <laughs> who his his application video to i guess it was an mba program maybe went viral and it was just like the douchiest thing and there were like picture it, there was like video of him playing tennis and video <laughs> of him just doing the most ridiculous kind of uh, stuff. So I guess it's a thing. I don't know. I um, I never did any, I never did interviews. I don't even think. Maybe no. I did an interview for one of the scholarships. You, yeah, you did the I McNair, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, but that was when I was already in yeah, college. Yeah, college. Um, I mean, I don't remember if there's an interview for law school, not, 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 not for most of them, but maybe for my public interest fellowship or whatever. You got to college, if I remember correctly, and then there, your roommate just wasn't there and you just didn't tell anyone. That's right. Yeah. When I went to the University of Oklahoma, I, uh, well, you know, the background of this story, I guess I should say, uh, I guess I could just go off onto a tangent. Go off, King. Um, <laughs> that's what the people are here for. They it's your hear, party. They want to hear the personal stories, <laughs> right? Give me your weird bullshit life. No, so when I was in high school, you know, I didn't really have a solid plan to go to college, which is probably weird for most of the people listening to this because I assume we have a more highly educated uh, demographic. Um, but, you know, actually, in fact, most people don't go to college. It's, uh, it's not abnormal to not go. Uh, it's abnormal to go, I mm-hmm. guess, in a majority-minority sense. Um, but then I, uh, you know, I got a really high score on the PSAT. Um, and so, you know, I was a National Merit Scholar or whatever. And the University of Oklahoma sent me a letter in the mail saying I could go for free since I was a National Merit Scholar. And I was like, that sounds good. And then I just, I just, you know, sent a note back saying, all right, I'll see you there. 
Um, <laughs> like there was no like application or vetting process from that point. I mean, I did fill out a formal application or whatever, but it was like all pro forma. And other than that, I never went to campus. I never did a tour. I never did anything. And then, you know, the day of when you're supposed to show up, you know, I just drove up there and got my thing and and I was supposed to be in a dorm with another guy in my room and he didn't show up and so I was like all right <laughs> I guess that's that then lucky me and then I and then about 2 or 3 weeks later I kind of got lightly rebuked for not telling them that no one showed up were they they were like worried about you like you're all alone no they're just like what the hell like like I was trying to scam them or something like it was just sort of you know I don't know. They just felt like informationally I should have told them this. And I guess it makes some sense because I did have an empty bed in my room. Um, what did you do with like it? Maybe they could allocate it. It just sat empty. I didn't do anything. I should have, you know, tried to rent it or something. Well, like um, sublet it to a homeless person? No, not a homeless. Anyone who wants a room. I mean, if if, if someone wants to pay, I mean, I wouldn't discriminate against a homeless person per se. But <laughs> That's very good um, of you. Anyways, yeah, they got mad at that. And then I kind of was like, well, what the hell? You guys don't know who's in this building? I mean, did you did, did, did not strike you when the, this key was not picked up? What the hell happened at the end of the day? You had a, this key in your box. And you're like, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess we got an extra key. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, how did that never, like, what sort of fucking organization do you guys have going here? Um, what did you eat when you were like living by? I mean, did you go to the, the mess hall? Well, you have to buy a, a meal plan uh first year and i did uh i bought the minimum one you could yeah um and because it was expensive and so i would do that and you know they also had like a little convenience store and i would buy stuff from that um yeah i did run out of food and money in my second semester there so what what did you do well i would just eat um I would eat basically four times a week. Uh, I would just go. It was like buffet style. Yeah. And I would just eat like as much as I could. <laughs> and I would wait like a couple of days and come and eat again in the mess hall. I mean, not the mess hall. It was like a buffet, like cafeteria thing. That's pretty rough, man. Yeah, I lost a lot of weight. I remember this was a skeletally thin period for you. Yeah, I got down below 160, which That's is the lowest I've ever weighed you. like in my like fully grown memory. That's rough. Um, yeah, that's that's very that's that's very thin on you. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, but then I joined the Nader campaign, and he gave me like <laughs> eight grand yeah. over the summer. And thank I you, Ralph, friend of the show. I didn't have any living expenses or whatever. It was like all that was covered. Plus, I got eight grand in cash, and that that kind of kept me afloat. Look at you now, though. You can have as many hot dogs as you want now. Oh uh, yeah, I'm fine now. I mean, I have the reverse problem at this <laughs> point. Um, <laughs> Plenitude can also be an issue. Yeah, you know, in some ways it's beneficial to 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 uh, have that hard resource limit. Oh, yeah, I don't know if I'd push it that far, but anyway, <laughs> uh, as uh, this scandal basically struck me as funny, uh, neither of us went to Ivy League schools. Uh, after I got out of my master's program at Cambridge, I applied to a PhD program at Brown, uh, which I eventually dropped out of to take my job at the New Republic. And I mean, that was my one experience at an Ivy League school. Um, But I I guess even when I was in high school, even though my parents were sort of middle class and they did know about college, they were the first people in our family to go to college. None of my grandparents went to college or anything. They were like, well, the Ivy League, I mean, that's a little bit, you know, 
Who can do that? We weren't even aiming at that. Like that wasn't even in our. Well, m- most I'm not sure. All, most of these people were going to Ivy League schools, right? Yeah, some there, some, there were some Ivy Leagues, USC, Stanford, Georgetown. Or, but yeah, top tier schools. My parents were like, say. "That's that's um, a lot," you know. You, why not look at it? You know, I just we were looking at different things, like a school where you'd fit in, or like a smaller place yeah. that would be comfortable. Well, you weren't on that level. Yeah, I still am not. The th- interesting thing is to try to figure out sort of sociologically why are why do people do this? Why why are they so hell-bent on gaming this and getting into these schools? Um, you know, because like in some cases, like the, I guess it's Lori, Lori McLaughlin, what's her name? Laughlin, I think. Of the McLaughlin group. I don't know um, about that. Sh- her kid d- doesn't seem to want to be in college. No, she like clearly does not even want to be there. So that, that's kind of confusing. And yeah. then you're like, okay, well, but money. And it's like, well, I don't know. They seem to have a lot of money. It's um, like status, right? They they like want to be, they want to fit into their It's milieu. status, yes. To s- but, but what kind of status, right? Because in this case, the kid is online being like, school sucks. Like what what is the status <laughs> that you get <laughs> from that? I don't know. But I think you're right. As a general matter, not just these guys, but like in general, why do people get interested in this stuff? Some of it is very clearly like, well, look, you know, my kid doesn't have a leg up. They don't have a lot of networks. They don't have uh, maybe that much money. And so, yeah, I do want them like to have a chance. Like th- the point being getting into the school has very positive outcomes down the line. Yeah. And that's the goal is to get those outcomes. So you have to go through the process of the school. That's one of it. But then you have people where it's like the outcome really is not contingent on them going to the school. And so yeah. you still want to do it. And in that case, it seems like the school is its own outcome. Yeah. Like just being in the school is its own award. Yeah. Is it's, it's like winning an Oscar or something. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, obviously winning an Oscar helps your career. But separate from that, people are just thrilled that they have the Oscar <laughs> yes, or the yeah. Grammy or whatever. And that is what acceptance to a school is like yeah yeah it's like oh it's a reward yeah. it's not like oh i'm going to the school and then i get educated and that's like the thing that's good it's like no the acceptance letter is the reward is itself a kind of totem yes it's incredible like you see it through all the media as well they, you, they, they always have these stories around these time periods where like such and such got into every single ivy league school yeah that's true it is like, well, okay, I won't give a shit. I mean, why don't you cover someone who's in Ivy League school? <laughs> like, that seems <laughs> like the real prize. Of them, yeah, <laughs> the guy just got uh, letters in the mail, but like that is its own. That's its own prize. sign of approval, which is dysfunctional, obviously. Yeah. And but I, I kind of felt this to some degree because when I was not in my undergrad, because I, I that was a sort of a random sort of thing. Yeah. But then at that point, I was like, okay, I want to go to law school, right? And you know, I, I went applying to the various places and whatnot. I remember this. And, you know, I got into some good ones. Yeah. I got into, you Cornell. know, I got into Cornell. I Georgetown. got into Georgetown, that sort of thing. And you do, when you when you get the acceptance letter, it, there's a bit of a rush. A little bit less for me because I didn't really have anyone to share it with, per se. What the hell, Matt? I, was I mean, you, yes. But I mean, like, in general, like... Fuck? People like to put it on their social medias, oh, you know, yeah, like yeah, I didn't yeah. really. Ha- so I was like, I don't know what the fuck do I do? Put it on, you know, and I put it on my Facebook, get like four likes. because. Yeah. I well, you also a, did oh. not clearly make your Facebook. You were connected to you. There's no picture of you on it. Well, it's got my name on it. Well, I mean, but there are, you know, multiple people. No, nah, it's a unique name. OK. Um, 
Anyways, I got that. You feel that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a sober, I'm a sober guy. I remember, yeah. I know that very well. I'm like, to hell with this. I'm going to take the money, go to Boston University. They're giving me a scholarship. But that's that's the trick. I feel like a lot of people fall into that. Was there not also uh, maybe a secondary reason for going to Boston? Well, yeah. I mean, you were there as oh, well. Well, but thank you. Yeah. But, you know. It's all about the Benjamins at the end of the day. Well, I mean, it's like people get sucked into it. I feel like with these schools especially, you get in, it's like, oh, I got to do it. And it's like, man, I don't know. You, you really, you got to. $100,000 of debt. That's you a lot. Put some, yeah. You got to run the, run the math on that. You really think you can overcome that? And. And, uh, you know, how much will, how f- good will you feel about having gone to the school, you know, a few years down the line? I don't ever think about school anymore or even know where anybody I meet went to school. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a dysfunctional thing all around, I feel like. Um, it's a very fucked up system and uh, I don't see any way around it. Uh, in terms of other inevitable things that there are, there's no way around, uh, Let's talk about the nascent Beto campaign. All righty. Well, what's there to say, really? Beto has been in the race for a few days, and he has already issued the first apology to women of his campaign. Oh, that's good. Everybody is going to apologize to women at some point, unless they are a female candidate. Yeah, I vote for the one who has the most apologies <laughs> to women. Because it shows they care the most. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Like, they might be doing the most offenses, but at least they're the most sorry. Well, the more you check your privilege, the better. So Matt's tallying apologies to women per campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I somehow feel that Beto will have more apologies to women forthcoming. Uh, Yahoo News has just released a report saying that Beto O'Rourke's teenage internet posts called some women sluts mocked them for having, quote, violent boyfriends and suggested a way to deal with these women was to inform, quote, Nazi skins in your area that they had, quote, AIDS. Uh, so this was a better... What would happen if you informed them of this? I don't know. I, I guess that they would let the local health authorities know or something. I have to assume. So Beto was a teenage edgelord. Uh, so we'll see if apologies... What was he posting online? He was posting in Usenet forums? Or what, what the <laughs> hell is this? <laughs> he had some kind Did of... Did he have access to the University of El Paso or hey, something? He was like in some kind of little like proto-hacker club or whatever. He was sending like... Yeah, he was Lords sending... of Discord. He was sending like TCP, IP like packets <laughs> like just across the phone lines. Being like, bitches ain't shit, but hoes and tricks. <laughs> yeah, and then like someone at... <laughs> Someone at like uh, University of El- Alabama, Tuscaloosa is like reading it in their dorm. Like those only people have computers. They're like, oh, awesome. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so I guess there are going to be more apologies to women forthcoming. But his first apology to women was for saying that he sometimes raises his kids, but that the wife is generally raising his, the kids. Uh, interesting fact. Her name is Amy Hoover Sanders, Bernie's daughter. Ooh, so this creates that does create, this does an create some situation. drama. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's what's going on here. Uh, so he gave an interview where he was like, yeah, you know, I sometimes raise my kids, but mainly it's Amy. Uh, and this was like, so I don't know why I gave him Bill Clinton voice, but just bear with me. Uh, and that was supposed to be charming or whatever, but everyone got pissed off about it. Um, yeah, it's, char- it's charming because he's like giving credit to her. right? Yeah, and he's like being self-deprecating, but like... Uh-huh. But then, uh, so one one fact that I've observed is the libs are coming for Beto's ass now. He waited too long to get in, 
And so now there's like no real reason for him to be in it. Yeah. Right. Like it's hard to see where he's going to get his. All the categories are like we have moderates, we have women, we have people of color, we have women of color. Right. Well, and if you're if you're a, a, a shit lib, you know, as 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 they're known. It's yeah, hard. This isn't our designation. That's just what this. It's going to be hard to explain why you support Beto over Kamala or someone, you know, because the shit libs, they just love, you know, yeah, identitarian like, sort of. Oh, well, but he could win Texas. It's like Julian Castro's from Texas. He'd win yeah, Texas. Yeah, I mean, neither of them can win Texas. No, but neither but of them are going to win Texas. I guess you could try to make that sort of strategic move, but like, but there, so the people who supported Beto at the beginning were like, he has this major electoral appeal and he's super inspiring. But like, there, are, you know, Harris is raising money. She's doing all right in the polls. Yeah, she's, she's clearly the front runner she's among clearly being inspiring that grouping. So why would you? Oh, yeah, I'm gonna go support Beto, Beto now. Or like, like Biden's gonna get in it, and he also has well better yeah. polling numbers. So there's just like there's no real place for him. He waited too long. Well, but Biden's gonna be disapproved of by the shit libs as well, at least well, initially, because of his history. Wait, but just wait on that one. That's a ticking time bomb with me too written all over it. But uh, but so far, uh. The libs are coming for Beto's ass. He he put them off and teased, and now they're pissed at him, and they're, you know, yeah. whatever. He's annoying, He's too. very annoying. So he also made his announcement video about running, and his wife just sat there looking at him the whole time and never said a word. That's okay. You can do that for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just I'll just stare right into the camera. Yeah. Actually, I think it would be better if it was the reverse. If I were announcing, but then you <laughs> took care of it, and I just kind of sat there. And I was like, and everybody, I, was, I want you to know Matt's running for president. Yeah, and then I'm uh. just like, oh, I'm kind of shy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we just never explain it. Yeah, no, no, but, but when, the, in yeah. The, yeah, afterwards, um, when the, you know. And you should just be like, I wanted to elevate a woman's voice. Yeah, that would be a good move, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to lift up a woman's voice yeah. so that I let her talk. That would be a good move, yeah. Be I like, so. I don't talk over women. Yeah, you know. I didn't want to shush her. I could see that. I could see that. Uh, so anyway, this combination of mistakes resulted in people getting super pissed at Beto, sort of liberal feminist contingent getting super pissed at Beto and being like, you're a rat bastard. You don't do any housework. You don't do any like childcare labor. And you're kind of bragging about it in all shucks kind of way. And if any female candidate tried to do that, like if Kristen Gillibrand was like, yeah, I barely have anything to do with my fucking kids people would like roast the shit out of her. Yeah. It, though, though yeah. isn't it necessarily the case? I, I mean, if you're most rich people who work a lot, I mean, well, it's not even that it's like you working in DC. Yeah. And your kids have to be home for the most part because you have to maintain your residency there in order to yeah. represent that district. So it just like, it has to be the case that, that like for the most part, the other persons with the kids. Right. But nonetheless, he, he issued his first like I'm listening and learning apology to mm -hmm, women mm -hmm. and was like, I shouldn't have been so glib and talking about my marriage and I'll I'll do better in the future. Mm -hmm. Do better is a phrase that is um, as ominous to me as like the death hoot of a screech owl. If someone says to me, do better, and they're not being ironic, I immediately block them. It's just a horrible, ominous omen of things to come. And also, if someone says they're going to, quote, do better, <laughs> I assume it's all over for them. <laughs> it's just not a good sign. I don't think he'll, I, I don't think he'll make it to Iowa. And so, so that's, his, that's where he's at right now. A and also, uh, something that came out today, or I saw it for the first time, is... 
uh, this insane PowerPoint presentation that was commissioned by the El Paso City Council. Beto voted for the study that resulted in this PowerPoint. And basically what they were trying to do is like get rid of a bunch of housing where primarily older, poorer Mexican people lived in Texas. Okay. And they were like, we, we need to get rid of this and replace it with like cool, hip, upscale shit to modernize El Paso and make it attractive for, according to the PowerPoint, Matthew McConaughey and Penelope Cruz. Mm, wait, what? They're trying to get them to move there? <laughs> it, is the most, it is the most strange. That's got to be something. So uh, let me look at this again. So the first slide where they're talking about uh, this this Glass Beach organization commissioned this uh, study of Ooh. El Paso and how to modernize it. In the first slide, they're talking about what El Paso in this particular neighborhood is currently like. Here are the bullet points. The title of the slide, <laughs> Old Cowboy. Yeah, this is an archetype of <laughs> El Paso. Yeah, this is what it's currently like in this neighborhood they wanted to replace. Male, 50 to 60 years old, gritty, dirty, lazy, speak Spanish, uneducated. And it's a picture of like an older, somewhat dark-skinned guy in a button-down uh, with a cowboy hat. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is what they don't want any more of in El Paso. Okay. You well. go to the next slide, title, New West. All right. Male slash female. <laughs> yeah, what, well, they only have men in El Paso right now? <laughs> like, How does that work? It's like North Dakota. It's <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> we need girls. Okay. <laughs> it's what like, happened to all the women? It's like the fucking pioneer times where they're like writing back to the mainland being like, we need some ladies. All right. Male slash female, 30 to 40 years old, educated entrepreneurial, bi-lingual, <laughs> family, and then the last one is enjoys entertainment. <laughs> I like entertainment. <laughs> yeah. All the That's why the people listen to the podcast, because they enjoy entertainment. Old cowboys fucking hate entertainment. They hate entertainment. He just sits out on his porch and just... He sings poncho and lefty with his banjo. No, I mean, that's then that's entertainment. Sorry, he just that's sits right. He just kind of sits there and stares out there like uneducatedly. He's looking dumbly at the dusty horizon, thinking about the Blood Meridian. And What uh, is this glass beach? What the hell is this? <laughs> this How do you get these things? I don't understand. Like, <laughs> I know that the think tanks, I know that the think tanks make money separately by like this kind of stuff. You know, like yeah. a, a local city council has decided to commission a study on X, Y, and Z or a state or whatever. Like that's a big... Uh, that's a big uh, money source for, you know, sort of the workhorse think tanks like Urban or Rand or whatever. And I just feel like I could do some of these. I feel like PPP could have come up with something just as, you know, bullshitty and offensive as this. In Probably more so. In 2005-2006, the city of El Paso contracted with the advertising agency Sanders Wingo to develop a marketing scheme for El Paso downtown rede redevelopment efforts. Sanders Wingo. Uh, the wife is named Sanders. Hmm. On July 19, 2006, the resulting Glass Beach report was presented to city council. It became controversial because of how it depicted some of the El Paso population. Uh, this is from uh, publicdocuments.net. Uh, I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm just, I'm amazed by the images in this slide. Wait, here's, here's Sanders Wingo. Mm -hmm. SandersWingo.com. <laughs> this is our front page. Here's what it says. We believe in humanity, 
We believe in the strength of unity and the power of inclusion. God, same. We believe in the art of persuasion and the science of decision making. Yes. We believe in better <laughs> choices. We believe brands can make a difference. Yes. <laughs> I believe all those things. Oh my God. <laughs> How do you not just kill yourself? Oh, Lord God Almighty. But the, the best thing to me is <laughs> besides enjoys entertainment. Which I could, this is just insane. A child could make this PowerPoint presentation. Is the picture of this sort of elderly guy from West Texas, uh, and then compared to close-up shots of Matthew McConaughey and Penelope Cruz. Yeah, I mean, I guess I get it now. That's their archetype oh, that they want. Okay. She's, you know, Latina, and he's from Texas, you know, and maybe speaks Spanish. I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I get it. I get it. Mm, um, it's a little bit weird. You, 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 I would focus less on like selecting your population types. <laughs> that gets really, really tricky really quickly. I'm not going to have anybody who doesn't um, enjoy entertainment. You know, it's, yeah. Well, I, I, I could see that, but I, I don't know. Um, so th- this ages is and genders and uh, <laughs> <laughs> languages spoken. That's You yeah, probably want to yeah, stick, yeah, a, stick a... Stay a little bit away from that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, religions, races... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you you don't want to get too too much into Is that. Is it all right to like, have a, a um, prejudice against gritty people who are just mm, kind of unrefined? Well, you know, they've yeah, seen, have to see they've seen some shit. I'd have to see what you meant by that. Um, rustled some cattle. Why is this old cowboy lazy? He's 50 to 60 years old. Let him Dude, pe- let him rest, man. Fucking give him some peace. That's the other thing is my grandfather was an old cowboy. Uh, he died at age 60 because he has smoked since age 12, uh, was from Childress, Texas. Lazy, like old cowboys are the least lazy people in human existence. They get up at like 4 a.m. just out of habit. Oh, God. This is just ridiculous. But obviously, this is the beginning of what will develop into a critique, I think, of Veto's time involved in municipal government in El Paso, where he was reportedly very involved in kind of trying to get rid of the dirty pores and replace them with hip entrepreneurial urbanites who are his base now well, that's a richard florida creative class shit right yeah. this is just like uh, a way of expressing it that is not as offensive yeah instead of being like oh we want creative class professionals young techies and so on it's like we, you know they're this one was like they didn't realize they're supposed to say it that way yeah so they yeah, were like, like we want hot young professional people we sure would like uh some hot young highly educated people and also with like less old Mexicans around. <laughs> yeah, that's not it's like, what well, I no, 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 you no, know, that's, that's not the quiet part right you're there. You're not supposed to yeah. say that. Um, yeah, but they were just kind of open about it. <laughs> you right. know, the other thing about Be- Beto, and this is actually interesting, is, you know, his wife is very affluent or whatever yeah, because sure. her dad invented, maybe, I don't know, invented, but was like the big man behind real estate investment trust. Really? Which, you know, as you know. Yeah. Is uh, is it? Did that have something to do with two thousand eight a little bit there? No, 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 no. Okay, no. A financial instrument, right? Mm-hmm. Where like you can basically you know have this corporation that exists essentially to own real estate, right, and rent it out, mm-hmm. and you know it's like a big landlord type company, but. You can buy, you know, the stock of the re and sell it, sort of like a stock. So it's it's like you, it's like you know you get you get the you get to invest in real estate, sort of like you invest in a stock. Yeah. Right, which is cool, um, you know. And he was the big man behind that. And okay. And as deep cut brew heads will know, 
this is my plan for how we're going to do real estate in the social wealth fund. Oh. People are like, well, what are you going to do about all these structures and so on? And I'd say in the long run, we're just going to have a whole bunch of REITs, competing REITs. They'll own all the property. And of course, we'll own all the shares of the REITs. And, you know, essentially, when you pay rent, everyone will be renters at that point, right? Because we'll all be living in the socially owned housing, which is all owned through these real estate investment trusts that we mm-hmm. then all own through the social wealth fund. But you pay your rent, you know, they take some of it to cover costs of maintenance and so on. The rest gets kicked right back out to the shareholders, which is you. So your rent just Boom. cycles right back to you. I mean, after, of course, costs of maintenance and that sort of thing. So you're paying rent to yourself at that point. It's That's a victory. It's free real estate. That's a victory. It is free real estate. Absolutely, it's free real estate. So <laughs> I have to give it to... Bernie Sanders. I have to give it to Beto's wife as father um, for, who's, you know... Who's not actually Bernie, we should clarify. He's accelerating. Yeah. You know, he's accelerating the financialization of assets, which in the long run is going to facilitate socialism, as, as, as folks know. So Capital accelerates, you know. I appreciate that move. The real estate investment trust, genius, genius idea. And, you know, in the long run, that's how we're going to own everything socially, real estate wise. So so a tip of the hat to you, uh, Beto's family, uh, in-law. In-laws. And on to our sort of last uh, topic of the cast, the terrible shooting in New Zealand. Uh, nothing here to laugh about, really. Uh extremely disturbing sort of watched it unfold last night wound up staying up until about 3 a.m um and then not really sleeping even after that uh what can you say 49 people murdered in cold blood as they prayed uh by a a a self-described fascist and eco-fascist and ethno-nationalist who had written the names of a bunch of among other things um medieval Christian conquerors who fought uh, Muslim uh, leaders, you know, during that period of conflict. He left behind a bunch of debris, clearly influenced by the kind of memification of shooters uh, on the alt-right. You know, you can look at the alt-right at this point and see that several recent mass killings have had these kinds of overtones. The Isla Vista murders uh for instance did and all of those guys uh end up being memefied in one way or another bravik memefied in a in a particular in in this particular alt-right internet subculture so this guy left all of these artifacts in part to you know stun and confound and piss off the media who these people uniformly hate uh and also to um like give his friends a laugh. Yeah, I mean it's part of yeah, you know, impressing the people right, you're trying right. to impress, which happens to be dumbass internet posters. Your lame ass anonymous internet friends. Yeah. Uh, you want to really impress them with your act of cold blooded killing, so he left behind uh, a manifesto, um, of course, and, and and worse tape. Um, I think that's been scrubbed as it should have been pretty thoroughly from Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, the manifesto is still hanging around. To most organizations' credits, uh, they haven't linked it, although it is available on at least one news website I know of at full length. 
73 pages, I think, you know, sort of document cloud situation. I don't know. I don't think that's a great move, but it's out there. And I mean, I read it uh, while I was watching this coverage last night. You know, you go looking for some kind of way to make sense of something like this, understand it. Uh, that's an initial reaction. And it's just a shit post. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Breivik had the manifesto. He had this huge manifesto. The, the Isla Vista killer had the huge manifesto. A lot of these guys nowadays leave some kind of... Cho Sung Wee had a you know manifesto. They leave records. And this guy's, I think, you know, was in some sense unique in that if, you weren't, if you're not on the internet and steeped in the culture of shit posting, mm. you, there's probably things that would have looked weird to you. So, I mean, uh, you've seen like a lot of extremism experts be like, oh, this is, this is a minefield He's laid traps for the media to fall into. Don't take the bait. Right. And I'm not even sure that that over mystifies it and gives him too much credit. It's just stupid fucking jokes for his friends. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I guess it's a little bit hard to tell how much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that he's doing it for the media to mess with them seems like you said to give him a little bit too well, much like credit. For, for instance, um, he's like in one of the widely circulated excerpts. I don't think I'm breaking any news here. He's like the number one alt-right figure who'd inspired me most is Candace Owens. Right. Uh, she stunned and moved me. This is obviously a fucking trolley joke. Right. And people have ex- expressed it as, oh, this is a trap he laid for us in the media. No, I, I think he definitely thought the media would respond by attacking Candace Owens, but that's just a joke for his friends to watch happen. Right. Right. He just wants to see his friends laugh their asses off as Candace Owens gets accused of being a major figure in right, the right. white ethno-nationalist yeah. movement. Yeah. So even to the extent that the goal is to trick the media, it's not to trick the media in order to have some outcome in the world. It's to trick the media in order to have the outcome of the friends laughing at the tricking. Right. The, the uh, alt-right thinking it's hilarious that the media is roasting a black woman for purportedly being a major figure in white ethno-nationalism. Right. That's the big joke. Or that even if, and, and even if the media doesn't get tricked by it, it's still funny. It's to like them. just a funny bit of satire, yeah, yeah. right? So like, I think that everything that's being mistaken as like a nefarious trick to trap the media or throw them off his trail is even more stupid and facile it's actually just something to impress anonymous internet friends he didn't even know right right to make them laugh or make them think like what a cool guy right i'm i unfortunately believe that it, it appears to be working on some level which is fucking pathetic but it it made me think about uh th- th- there's always been this element of kind of jokey irony involved in anything fascist and we're always involved in this sort of process of trying to divide up what's fake irony fascism and what's real serious you know like hardcore philosophically sophisticated fascism and like my point of view is there's no line between them for one there is no hardcore philosophically sophisticated really intelligent fascism because fascism itself is predicated on irrationalist bullshit. Once you drill down to try to get to the hardcore philosophical network that underlies the whole thing, you know, the metaphysics, the reasons, it's nothing there. 
Mm-hmm. It's like dreamy, surrealist nonsense. I don't have to explain myself. It's in the heart of all people. At the core of our theory is a fist. Just kind of dumb guy shit. Mm-hmm. Right? Like like uh, you were saying earlier, dumb guy quotes that they would put on pictures of themselves lifting at the gym. Yeah, the, the, this is, yeah, it's a kind of if you're an account that shares quotes on Instagram or or Facebook or whatever, you yeah, you'd put this next to like a Sun Tzu quote or something. <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of shit. Like that's all that's really there. And, or like malappropriated bits and pieces of other systems that they just kind of rip a cool epigram from. It's just bullshit. I mean, it's it's just bullshit. Right. I mean, and the, 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 the wild thing about it is the level of destruction that it can cause is way out of proportion to the sophistication going on in terms of theory. So I think that that's just like a constant quality of fascism. And maybe this manifesto, if it does anything, will kind of drive home that there is no difference between the sort of jokey irony edgelord bullshit and the real thing. That's what the real thing is. Yeah. That's what it is. And like, if you're like, well, we're going to be dealing with a fascist movement. We already are. It's just small, mainly localized to the internet. I mean, Trump's base has this kind of fringe element to it. Uh, Though I, I don't think you could probably characterize the entire base that way. No. I mean, and they pick up Trump, to be funny like right, the right, same again. thing it's like they're not really or like you said it's a sort of mixed bag where it's like well th- yeah this is all it is but it's like they think it's funny to do a MAGA hat because Trump is such a ridiculous figure right or like um, the, the buffoonish president calls attention to how buffoonish the whole government is and like one of the weird things that goes on with the fascist you know mindset is Every government is cartoonishly stupid and clearly failing and worthy of ridicule, except the fascist government. Uh, once once they get in power, uh, you know, all the jokes are over. It's no longer funny, even though they're often uh, just as subject to incompetence, corruption, uh, completely bullshit decisions and so on and so forth. But at that point, jokes become treason. Uh, but I mean, yeah, that, that's the that, that's the situation they're in. It's why I think you've seen kind of a Yang gang tilt with some of the Pepe's from last time around Mm -hmm. is they're like, look, Trump didn't do what we wanted him to do. He's kind of tied up in this veto battle over appropriating emergency funds for the wall. And that looks like it could be a really exacerbated sort of loop that, you know, never really leads anywhere in terms of building a wall. Uh, So he's stymied by, you know, bureaucracy and so forth. Let's just fucking enjoy the decline of Western civilization and get our Yang bucks and just kind of check out. Yeah, I mean, I think I think, yeah, I mean, I I think in any given election, you have people who are sort of at least these days, it's kind of this sort of Internet fringe and, you know, they might go in any number of ways, like who's the cool weirdo fringe like candidate. Yeah, yeah. Just funny vaporwave. Some of them went with Bernie last time. Yeah. Um, but you know, Trump obviously and Bernie are now very official, legit candidates. So, you know, these are the same people who would have maybe gone for Ron Paul or, you know, whatever. Right. Yang is the obvious place for them to go now. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense. So. But I mean, there's, there's a, uh, 
there's definitely like a contingent of attachment to him that's just ironic humor about the fact that everything sucks and nothing works and you should just check out and all government is a feat and useless and again this is a running theme in the in the kind of fascist uh, classic fascist discourse um but that that was really the only thing that occurred to me is that you know reading this manifesto it's bound to be studied uh by media people and uh you know, I think it's a bad idea to share it. I wrote an article that spoke about it in general terms, but I obviously wouldn't link to it or quote from it. You want to kind of limit the social contagion on this shit. Uh, but I, I worry that people will be like, well, it's, there are sort of items of tension, you know, there's, there's literal copy pasta in it. Mm-hmm. Like there's actual for real copy pasta. Sure. And, you know, how do you explain that in the context of someone who did something so monstrous is this a joke to him and i'm like yeah that that's the nature of what we're dealing with is that fascism is nonsensical kind of weird emotive anti-rational bullshit that's gonna break through the bonds of liberal reason to establish a new order but the bonds of liberal reason are people who reason Mm. right so the way that fascism always ends up saying it's gonna break through the bonds holding it back is through human bodies mm-hmm. right destroying people that's how it gets to utopia so when you boil it all down it's a system that's about killing people it's about crushing bones and soaking the ground in blood and that's really what it's about and it never has an end to that uh, period of purgation that's just what it does again and again because that's the path to utopia for this insane uh nonsensical bullshit i guess if you want to call it a mood uh, that's basically what it's all about. So hopefully this will bring some clarity on that front because I think since 2016 and Trump, we've kind of talked about fascism in like general and very wiggly terms. Um, you know, everybody gets called a fascist once in a while. I get called a fascist on Twitter. A couple Every couple weeks, you know, I get canceled and called a fascist. Who amongst us? Yeah, I'm sure I do. You get called Nazbol or a social fascist, yes. you know, from time to time. I don't get it that much. Uh, and, you know, so there's a lot of unclarity, I think, about what it even means. And I know this guy, this 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 just completely evil bastard, uh, will induce a lot of conversation. And I hope that instead of trying to <laughs> uh, take what is a bullshit, nonsensical manifesto full of dumbass jokes and transform it into uh, something that can be parsed for sophisticated meaning. It's understood that uh, the, the sophisticated meaning simply isn't there and the bullshit is what you're dealing with when you deal with fascism. So there you have it. So that's just a little my word take. of wisdom. Word of wisdom. A little, little, little heavy dose of thought. That's just my so take Ola, man. There you go. I don't really have, you know... I don't I, you know, I understand you go into the into that lev- that realm of the take sphere. No, that's that's above my pay grade. Um, but you, what's interesting about you is that you know generally you actually do have metaphysics. I have a degree in philosophy. Okay. Um, a bachelor's degree. Okay. Um, so I'm kind of an expert in this. But I mean, like, you, metaphysics do matter to you. The the sort of these these sort of fundamental questions. Yes, I'm more into metaphysics like, you know, what is a river? Oh, God, Jesus Christ. You um, have to ask me about that all the time. 
What is, is what it is the this? water? Is it the water? Is it the riverbed? Is it the riverbed? If it's the water, the water's changing all the time. So is it the new river? If it's the riverbed, it, it can change. Pocahontas says it's a new river all the time. Yeah, the, the that's thing her about argument. rivers is you can't step in the same rivers twice. You can't step it. That's her move. Yeah. That's her metaphysics. She says, nope, because it consists <laughs> of the river. Her dad's like, all the time. you need to be steady like the river. And she's like, but it's not steady at all. That's an important she has a deep a, question. She has a counter arg. But then if you try to define it and like, oh, no, that's the river bed. You mm-hmm. know, the problem is that sometimes rivers jump and make new paths. That's true. They change, you know, especially course. floods and whatever. Mm-hmm. So what's that then? Is that a new river? We we often will say, oh, that's no, it's the Colorado River, but it's m- shifted over here. And it's like, well, is it? If it's defined by the bed, it can't be that. These are the kind of questions, you know. What about a statue? A statue is a lump of clay, you know, I guess. But like, is it the the molecules of the clay? That's the statue? Or is the statue the form? If I change a little bit of the statue, it's no longer the same statue. It's a different statue. Like it's a different being. You know, these are the questions. These are the real metaphysics questions. I don't I mean, I typically think about sort of good and evil, the uh, nature of being, mm, you know, when I think about metaphysics. That's low level, yeah, low level stuff. I, don't think, no, well, no, I, I wouldn't call it low level. I mean, I, I think that the left actually has a really strong tradition of metaphysics. Uh, it, you know, sort of comes into play in sort of public discourse less often than maybe you would like but i think it's it's really one of the crown jewels i would say good and evil is more moral philosophy yeah you know i wouldn't really call it metaphysics well i guess you know it depends on how you consider those to constitute the you know it's not it's not substance well evil you know arguably can't touch it so so chick made on that (laughs) one That's uh, that continental shit you're trying to pull. I'm sorry, I am. I'm pulling a little bit of that, putting you mm-hmm. in the trick bag here, as That's LeBron vague, James said. Vague continental bullshit. Yeah, Matt has I no stick time. to the more analytical, you know, questions like what's a river. <laughs> That's the that's the hot shit. I know. You're gonna put out a paper on this. One I'm day? working on it. I'm working on a paper about what a river is. You gonna is that gonna be a PPP publication? You're just gonna submit that to a philosophy journal? No, I'll, I'll submit it to a philosophy journal. I'm gonna uh, submit it to uh, the top philosophy journal. <laughs> yeah, that actually is something you might do. You know, philosophers they shouldn't be discriminating just because of my credentials. You have a published article on just war theory. I do in an undergraduate philosophy journal. Still though. Nonetheless, and I also have one on, uh, um, what the hell was that? Anyways, it's basically about racial justice. Oh yeah, yeah, atomized. Yeah, yeah. Justice. Yeah, w- it was. It's basically like the possibility of racial justice within, uh, ideal, sort of like liberal theory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I like where you're going with this. I did that one as an undergrad too, but that one was not in an undergrad mm-hmm. journal. It was in something higher that like real, real, uh, you know, professors write in. And you've been quoted. Yeah, it was, uh, was included in a textbook. <laughs> it's true as hell, man. What can I say? It's true as hell. People out here reading Matt Bruning against classical liberalism. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. That is kind of how it turns. It, that is kind of how it turns. Well, a little bit. You'll have to read it. We could go over it at some point. I guess we're. Uh, I'm sure the people would uh, would love a read through of your uh, of your papers, uh, but I guess you know the parting take that I that I'm trying to get ac- this you know been on my mind here trying to get across, 
is that, you know, we're in a populist moment. I think that's a good thing. I think it's very restorative to our politics. But the distinction that I would make in part between right populism and left populism and, you know, right populism can definitely trend in that fashy direction is that um, there's nothing irrationalist about left populism. There's nothing that dispenses with reason or with well-reasoned arguments. There's nothing about it uh, that does that. As much as it has a problem with elitism, which can come down to a critique, uh, you know, uh, of expertise or technocracy, the argument is not that uh, rationality is unimportant and uh, serious reasoned arguments don't matter. It's that, you know, the working people in the country have the exact same capacity to make these reasoned arguments about their lives and they're being ignored by the people in power in favor of elite arguments about their lives. But I think that's something, you know, to keep in mind is that there will always be this political temptation to irrationalism because you just get to do away with everything uh, that's hard. But uh, that's not our tradition or our habitus on the left. And, and I think that's something that really distinguishes uh, sort of left populism as an extremely positive force in society. Well, let me ask you this. Okay. If it's common sense, why is it so uncommon? Huh? Should be mm. uncommon sense. Probably say goodnight with that one. Should be, should be uncommon sense. All right. Okay. You know? Okay. Good night, folks. Just, thinking, just think about that. Just well, think about that as we close this out. <laughs> All right. All right. See you next time, fellas. Bye.